The All My Favorite People podcast is proudly sponsored by Peace Love T-Shirts. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com to see the entire All My Favorite People collection of shirts, hats, and bags. While you're there, check out the other collections from our collaborators like Healing and Hope, The Controversy, and Ink Happy. Go to peacelovet-shirt.com and use code FAVORITE for $5 off your first order. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of All My Favorite People. This morning, I have with me Willie Montague, who is a congressional candidate here in the Central Florida area. Super excited to have him on our show this morning. Thank you so much, Willie, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we're going to jump right in. If you want, please go ahead and just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, sure. Um, well, I was born and raised in North Carolina. Um, my history goes back more into ministry um, and politics. I started both around when I was 14 years of age. Uh, I then moved to Oklahoma in 2007 uh, to attend Bible college there. And then uh, 2008, um, I launched a church. Uh, actually, I launched my first church when I was 16, but when I moved to Oklahoma, I launched a church there, and then from there, I started seeing some needs. My own past experience with um, absent father, uh, brother from the age of 17, uh, with drugs um, and, and behavior issues at school. So when I started seeing that back in uh, Oklahoma, I opened up my home uh, to allow uh, different uh, teens to come in. And from there, that's where it birthed um, our nonprofit, which is House of Timothy. And we work with ages seven to 25, uh, youth and young adult men. And since then, we, have, we now um, include Project Exodus, which works with uh, human and sex trafficking. Wow, that's awesome. I've been following you on social media, and I see that you kind of have your hands in a lot of different things in the community. Um, can you tell us a little bit specifically about House of Timothy and how that vision was born for you? Yeah, so as, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my brother, who from the age of 17 kept getting in trouble in school, it started off with behavior issues. It went to uh, marijuana, then to um, pills, the opiate crisis that we see now, and then it started going to heroin. Um, and it just escalated from there until he um, ended up incarcerated. He's currently incarcerated right now. But part of the issue uh, that I noticed is not just with drugs, a lot of times it's with the fatherless home. And so that is something that I really, uh, I would say specialize in when I'm dealing with youth and young adult men, because a lot of times when they're in home, they really need that father. Uh, they need that uh, role model, that male role model. They need that mentorship. So our program is set up into two folds. We have the House of Timothy, which uh, houses 18 to 25 year olds. Uh, which uh, works with, again, the mental health, the behavior, the substance use. And then we have the entrepreneurship side, which is the element 26. So that's when we try to work with the ages 7 to 17. And so we'll go into the schools, we go into the homes, we go into the communities, and we speak with um, the, the boys about how we can help them to 
be cultivated to be a, a man of excellence. So uh, we teach them how to tie a tie, you know, the proper way to put on a suit, um, uh, how to sit at a table, how to eat, you know, how to balance a checkbook, things that they need that are essential because I'm big about restoring the nuclear family. And so, and I believe it starts with instilling those principles into the young men. I completely agree. That's really interesting. Did you have a father in your home growing up or was that, was that birth more so out of just seeing your brother kind of go through the stuff that he was going through? No, our, our father was absent. Um, I would, well, he's, I put it like this, he was around, but absent. Yes. So uh, it was that kind of uh, situation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I had a, a cousin that taught me how to shave and a great, great uncle that taught me how to tie a tie. So I had to pull different elements of becoming a, a, a grooming as a man from different, uh, figures in my family. Uh, not really, I wouldn't call them mentors, just something that they just kind of stepped in and was like, okay, well how you tie a tie, I couldn't ask my mother, she didn't know how. So um, when I realized that mm. that should be a package deal, as, as I call it, where you should be able to go somewhere and learn those uh, important parts of life, especially, as I said, you know, tying a tie, if you want to shave, you know, knowing how to eat. And I think that comes from that father uh, figure or male role model. And so it was an absence. Uh, I didn't realize how uh, it really impacted me until I got older. And when I realized that a lot of things was missing in my life, a lot of things I desired to do, um, that I didn't have the opportunity because my mother was a, a single mother raising two boys. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was definitely different. But from there, that's where I am today. Yeah. I love it how it's just so cool. You know, my story is different but similar in the sense of, you know, I feel like God's calling me to something that he had me walk through, you know, and I wouldn't be able to reach people in that season of their life if I hadn't been through it myself. So, and then it sounds like element 26 is almost like um, kind of getting ahead of the game. Like you don't want to see them at House of Timothy, right? You're trying to kind of get to them before. Right. Yeah, element 26 actually initially was our ministry. And then through prayer, I decided to take it and make it into our mentorship and entrepreneurship arm so that when we go to schools and communities, I didn't want, um, the parents or even the young boys that think that they were in trouble uh, with the house of Timothy because house of Timothy is more for at risk is more those that come in um, that really do need that home setting. So some of these guys are not uh, in trouble. They don't have substance use issues. They're actually uh, just need redirecting. Uh, they, they do have a little bit of behaviors. They do have some things that they're doing that um, the parents are not comfortable with, but they're not to the point where they need house of Timothy. And so, I pulled that apart, uh, started developing that to be somewhere where a lot of them actually has a, a business mindset. And um, I teach the boys that if you know if you like Nikes or Jordans, whatever, um, you need to invest into Nike. Uh, don't just buy the shoe, but own part of the company. And so we're, we're teaching them that if they would understand these skills, they don't have to go and steal. They don't have to go and lie. Uh, they, they understand the principles of working uh, from the ground up to become something great without having to um, be a, a liability to society. Because so many things that are around us when we look at, um, especially with the, the guys that I work with, a lot of them are like, you know, I want a quick hustle. That, that's their, their mentality. You know, I want to hustle. But when I speak with them, I'm like, you, you can have a hustle mentality, but you need to do it legally. So, uh, so that's pretty where we come from with Element 26 is just, you know, bringing that, that part, like you said before, 
they uh, end up in needing house attendance. We don't want it to get to that phase where we're just on the phone uh, with someone whose son is in that situation. And uh, as I shared with the uh, def uh, public defender, uh, that whether or not they charge them or whatever, because we work with the courts as well, we want them to be able to have that home setting. We want them to be able to feel like, hey, you know, that's a, a father away from a father. Or like I said, we go into the homes, we tell the parents, this, this is what, this is what development looks like, and we can be that, um, be that piece to the puzzle. I love that. I just finished reading Candace Owens' book, and I've listened to her and a lot of, um, like, Thomas Sowell and Larry Elder just talk about fatherlessness actually being kind of the number one yeah. issue in the Black community. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it is. Uh, a lot of that came from the uh, LBJ, uh, Great Society. Uh, which came from the place where uh, it, it makes the government like God and parent. Yeah. So um, that has trickled down through the years and it remains the same. Uh, a lot of, when you go into the black communities, you will find that a lot of the homes are single parent homes and you will find that there's such a, a, a need for that parent to continue to have to go to the government to make it the next you know, the next day, the next month, the next week, or whatever it is, and that that becomes part of the custom uh, when it deals with the uh, the, the children, uh, whether it's a, a young man or a young woman, it continues to be that same thing. So, yeah, it's really interesting to me when I you know see politicians like Biden on stage saying, "Well, actually, before I say this, let me ask you: Did you vote for Trump?" Oh, Do you mind yeah. saying? Okay. <laughs> so um, what were your thoughts when Biden's up there saying, you know, if, you, if you're having a hard time figuring out who you're voting for, then you ain't black. Like, how does that make you feel as a conservative black man? Well, uh, I, I don't like it. Uh, you know, one thing I know about liberals, <laughs> they, they pander to the, black, the blacks uh, all the time because they feel like that is their margin, that, that's, their, that's their, the soul of their campaigns. And um, I, I would, I do want to personally uh, say how grateful I am that this election cycle, that there was a lot of uh, black uh, men and women who really stood up, uh, not only to support President Trump, but to really stand and understand the, the, the values, the conservative values, and not just look at, because I tell people that, uh, you know, we're in a battle right now with the election, but we look at you know, 2024, say we go all the way through to 2024, you know, that's two terms, eight years, we, we have another president. We have, I always share that we have to go beyond um, looking at what the President Trump, we have to look at what he's instilled inside of us. And that's a fight. That's a fight for our country. That's a fight for um, our ideals. Uh, that's a fight for um, our economy. That's a fight for our children. And so that's what I'm, I'm really grateful that I saw on this cycle, that there was a lot of people in the black community that really started standing up and recognizing that uh, the liberal agenda um, has failed time and time again. Now you have uh, Joe Biden who uh, 47 years as a career politician and, yeah. um, and a lot of the laws that were passed uh, with his signature uh, was to incriminate those who are um, uh, black and uh, yeah. black men. And again, it goes back to uh, really putting black men in a box uh, where they feel like, well, this is all that they're gonna do. You know, it's, it's sports. And that's why I'm big about that too, about mentor. It's like, we don't wanna just center on NFL, NBA, 
Um, let's teach them outside of that because as a as as a black man and being in the black community and watching the black community, there's so much innovation and wittiness that's there. But again, it goes back to the pandering. It goes back to the times like, oh, you know, poor you, you know, with the vaccine, poor you, you know, we got to get these things to you right away because, you know, you're not going to make it without our help. And then, of course, you know, if you feel like I can't afford it, I can't do this, sure, I'm going to, I'm going to grab hold of that. And then you feel like that's, you are obligated now to fall in line with that train because that's what they gave you as a way to, as a, a pay, uh, a pay to play type of situation. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I read on your Facebook recently, you shared that um, you've always been conservative that you grew up with conservative values. This isn't, you're not maybe part of this new wave, if you will, of uh, black Republican voters. So how, how did you, how were those conservative values instilled in you as you were growing up? Well, um, it, it, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I do share that often about, um, I have nothing wrong with the new wave that's coming through. I just, I, <laughs> I always just share people that, you know, I, I look for if you're consistent and that you're actually really stand on those values and not that's why i mentioned the thing about president trump and you know that it's not you know this is president trump and then if he's not there we no longer stand on those values but this started with me when i was 14 mm -hmm. it was one of my uh, high school teachers that came to me and gave me a piece of paper and on on uh, both sides it was platforms one was a democratic prep platform was a republican platform and he said willie which one uh closely relates to you and I chose the Republican platform, and there was no there was no title at top, so I, I didn't know which was Democrat or Republican. So it was just platform, mm -hmm. and I chose the Republican platform. From there, um, it just really it, it's I believe I already had that uh, embedded in me because I never went to any type of things in my family that was a Democrat. I've never uh, I started when I was fourteen. I was part of the Men's Republicans group. I started a Teenage Republicans group in my uh, in my county and in the school the high school i was going to as soon as i turned 18 i registered as a republican never have voted for a democrat uh it's been that way since i like i said was 18 but i always say 14 even though i couldn't vote but i was involved uh, with civil ties which is uh, north carolina's uh version of american for prosperity uh so we really really just i was involved and the the uh sheriff that is in town right now in my hometown he was 30 years old uh when he was running for sheriff and I was there uh, helping him. He's a friend of mine right now. He's still the sheriff 13 years later. So um, just looking back and seeing that, you know, those uh, principles was instilled and that a lot of my family thought I was crazy because they're like, here you going, you know, you're going over there, you know, you're black, they don't care about you, whatever. But one thing I can say is when it came down to uh, ideas that I had as far as business ideas, my uh, ideas, my uh, nonprofit organization, when it came down to anything I wanted to do in the community, they were the first donors. They were the first ones that um, helped to uh, uh, give advice and wisdom on what to go for. They never turned me away. They never was like, no, if I asked, like, hey, I want to do this. And it was okay, they just wrote a check. And I'm thinking back now, you know, at being 33 and looking back, I'm like, man, they could have said no, because this little, you know, this little teenager coming asking for money to do something, they never questioned. You know, they just saw that vision or they saw that drive that I had. And so that's why another reason why I just really stick uh, with those conservative principles because it, it is ones that help you to build up is ones that help you to understand that you can make it you don't have to depend on uh, on big government uh, you can go out there and you can achieve those things you want to do I always tell the story of the railroad track uh, where I live there it, there was a separation and it still is like that you have the uh, blacks on one side white on one side on this railroad track 
Uh, my family would always say, well, don't go over there. Uh, they call me Josh. But uh, don't go over there on the, that. You know, the white people, they don't care about you. Go over there and you, you will end up in a, a crab basket. So um, I, I would go. And when I went over there, you would see palm trees, brick road. Uh, you know, the roads would be bricked. You would see so many uh, developments. And you would see where the business were booming. I took that same idea and I looked at what they were doing. I went back to the black community and I started thinking about how and why we're missing that. And it was simple. It's because we didn't think that we were able to do it in our community. We thought that that was only a, a, a white person thing. That was only for the wealthy to be able to have. And when I started talking with my community and sharing how that is, it, it's the mindset that we have to change. We don't have to be in these conditions. We don't have to live this way. We can still get up and we can have palm trees. Palm trees is available for anybody to purchase. You know, it's, it's not just a, a white palm tree. So, um, you know, that's kind of where my background and where I fall and kind of my, my reasoning and philosophy and why I'm kind of real hard sometimes uh, or aggressive with when I see new faces rise. Um, because I just, I know what it was like when I came into being a Republican, it was not acceptable now, you know, as it is now, it was, it was definitely not. So I, I just watch sometimes and always, you know, want to see how long they're going to last because um, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's for longevity. It's not a, it's not to be recognized or, or clout. I hate that clout stuff. It's like, you know, are you really working? Is this really who you are uh, from the beginning? And um and not necessarily that you have to, I mean, people switch parties all the time, but sure. I'm saying is that really inside of your, you know, your heart, the conservative values. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is that why you would say um, entrepreneurship is such an important piece of just what you like to do? Because that really is teaching people, you know, you're not giving them the fish, you're teaching them how to fish. Right. Yeah. That's why I love entrepreneurship because um, I always say I, I made a, a post on my Facebook a couple of weeks ago and I said don't don't force yourself at a table create your own um and so often when I look around I see people that's you know like hey you know we, we hey come I want you to put me there I want you to give me opportunity I want you to put and then I'm guilty of that because I was like hey you know I have something to say I want I want people to hear you know not that I wanted to just be recognized or on a screen but I wanted I had something that was important and I felt like it could change society and so it was like when you force it, like some people have their fa their favorites. They have the people that they're they're wanting to be, you know, involved. And then I look and I was like, wait a minute, I'm forcing myself to a table. So that's when I started having that that entrepreneurship mindset. I can create it, you know. I can be a motivational speaker. I can uh, start my own nonprofit or LLC. I can do that. And so I started creating my own, you know, building my own platform, um, taking. A strategy from the Lord uh, through prayer. I, I firmly believe that when we pray and we really listen, he gives us strategies. And uh, so everything that you see on my social media or you see around is all through the strategy that I believe the Lord has given me to just really help people in general um, and to be true to that purpose. And, you know, sometimes I step back and just spend a day. I may not post as much, but I'm like, Lord, just make me humble, you know, and, and keep me so that, because I believe humility brings success and that's included. That's why I believe that you look at, um, any um, Christ-centered Christian business, I believe that why they're booming, you look at, uh, is it, uh, uh, I forgot that quick, but well, you got Chick-fil-A, the other one that sells Hobby Lobby, you know, you look at those, and I believe it's successful because, you know, we don't know, we can't see on the, in the you know, with just the workers, but I believe that they have a, a sense of humility. 
um, because they realize that, yeah, they made it that far. But if you look at Chick-fil-A, you've never seen a Chick-fil-A close. The lines are always <laughs> wrapped around the building. And that's the same thing I say when people establish, if you live in humility, um, you love the Lord, you love his people, and, uh, and you really want to create something, create it with him in mind, and it will be successful. I could not agree more. I eat at Chick-fil-A twice a week. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my husband and I own our own business. And at first, you know, it was just like a dream idea. Um, and then it started making money. So it felt a little bit more out of necessity because it's paying the bills. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm right there with you. Um, just follow what the Lord's putting on your heart. He's going to give you, you know, he's going to order your steps, right? He's going to give you... Um, what's the word favor, he's going to give you favor, you know, and so you just have to listen to that and, and be aware. And I love that idea of just like taking a day and not being on social media and just, you know, making sure you're still, you know, right with the Lord and making sure that you're, you're still on the right path. Um, you mentioned earlier something about the vaccine. And um, I know you're a bit of a champion for medical freedom. Can you talk a little bit about kind of where where that information came from and how you kind of fell into that? community? I mean, I've always been um, a representative of individual responsibility. So even when I was in school and um, my senior project was on, um, on abortion, um, and I always spoke from a biblical standpoint about my pro-life stance. So I always share wherever I go that it's not about anti-pro, but it's about individual responsibility. There are some people who feel like it's necessary for them to have a vaccination. Um, and me personally, I do not. I feel like there, to me, I believe there's natural remedies to everything. Not just prayer, but there is your herbs and stuff that can really help in your body. So I always tell people that I'm not telling you what to do with your body, but I'm advising you that if you start researching, you look at um, that they uh, use uh, aborted babies in these vaccinations, um, you look at the side effects. We even see with the COVID-19 vaccination, they haven't even developed um, the side effects because it's so new. And so, uh, and I always share this when it, some people say, well, President Trump said, I said, President Trump has to speak from the nation. He, he did not make it mandatory. He has to speak as one that represents all 50 states and all of the million of people that make up the United States. So uh, again, that gives us the right to choose. And that's why I'm with the Medical Freedom Group, because I believe that uh, you look at some of the histories of these vaccines and what it has done. Uh, my spiritual mother shared, like, she had a classmate that ended up having uh, twitches when she took the flu vaccination. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen people, um, you've seen uh, the study show where some people end up with Bell Palsy from um, the trial they did for the um, uh, COVID-19 vaccinations. You yeah. see people get the flu shot and most of them sometimes end up sicker than they were when they didn't have the flu shot. So I look at it that, you know, you, a part of that vaccination has the actual, that's why it's anti, it has a, a, a little bit of that strand of that virus in it. And some of these um, individuals who want it, I don't believe their body is able to really handle something that's so new. Normally, if you look at it, it takes about, uh, I believe it's three to 10 years to develop mm -hmm an actual effective vaccination, uh, a vaccine um, that would actually not have, I mean, this came quickly. I understand the right. purpose behind it. Uh, but again, that's my stance on that and how I got involved uh, with, I'm always 
I'm just a fighter for, for freedom, period. <laughs> so if someone comes and say, I want to do that, I, again, I will give them my, my, my belief system when it comes to, the, one, the word of God, what it stands on, uh, then two, the Constitution, um, three, then my personal, um, what I, how I dissect that and how I perceive it. And then again, once I give that information, I don't feel like I'm no longer responsible for what you do after that. Cause I gave you three different avenues of why I do or do not do what I do. So. Yeah. Yeah. My son um, was vaccine injured. My, my youngest son and you know, my, my oldest two were fully vaccinated. I, um, I remember hearing from people saying, you know, basically questioning it. Um, and you know, I like most parents just said, well, the doctors are telling me this and, you know, they're smart. They went to school. They know what they're talking about. I'm just going to trust them. And, um, it sadly me, like a lot of other people who find themselves in this situation, it's, it's not until it happens to you, right? It's not until, you know, it's your child or your family member. And then you stop and you do the research and you look at it for what it is. And, um, but I agree with you hundred percent, you know, God built our bodies perfectly and he gave us an immune system. So, you know, that plus the natural things, plus, you know, healing prayer, that's a real thing. Um, so I, I love that you're willing to kind of stand on that. I think right now more than ever, it's weird and kind of scary to see how many people are willing to just take medical information from an expert at face value um and just kind of do what they're told <laughs> have you what has your experience been throughout covid throughout this year um what's god been showing you or telling you in regards to you know some of these things we've been seeing wow well sorry i know that was a big one <laughs> that's a fat one <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I go back uh, with me dealing with with COVID. When I, before uh, it struck as it did all across the nation, I was actually on a ministry tour. Um, the Lord had assigned me to uh, go to different states and cities uh, to preach uh, about the altar, uh, returning back to God. And uh, I had no clue um, what was getting ready to transpire. All I knew was that He said it's time for the people to get back to the altar to pray. So I went on this tour. Um, we started in Miami, went, you know, went all over. Um, I went, I ended up back in my home state, um, actually my hometown. And we did, uh, uh, we do like, it depends on how many days. So one to three days we do it. So during that time, I actually had a hotel there. And uh, that's when we started hearing the news. We started seeing the news every day, each state that would go red. and was like, oh, it, it then went there, it went there. And so we didn't know how to take it. Um, at, before I left to go to North Carolina, though, um, I actually saw about running for uh, office. And that's how I started the whole Congress thing. So when I prayed and I felt my spirit like, this is it's time for me to run. So I'm questioning God because I'm like, God, you know, you, you want me to go on the tour. And then you're saying this about Congress. And um, so when I look back over that during that time, I recognized that he knew what was getting ready to come. And, and he knew as well as how everything was going to be shut down. So it gave me time to actually focus on the congressional race. But then when I look back, that gave me the understanding of why he said it's time to return back to the altar because we're, we were going to need prayer and we still need prayer. Yes. 
Everything broke. No one knew how to handle anything. Everything was shut down. Everybody was in their house. Nobody went anywhere. It was, it was a lot going on. And so through that time, I've shared with churches and different uh, and different ministry leaders and community leaders that this taught us again how to get to the place where we need Him. And I look back over uh, twenty twenty, and I see where you know a lot of churches. You know, they kept going. We used to, you know, the Facebook Live. We used to sitting in, you know, big congregations. Um, I look at, you know, how everything was just moving. And I said, wait a minute, God, you wanted us to slow down to acknowledge that you are God and that without you, we can do absolutely nothing. And so that's what uh, I got from that. That's why I've encouraged a lot of the preachers that if you do go live or you do go, you know, um, analyze your purpose. Is it still to be seen or is God getting the glory? Like he, I believe that this was now the church's finest hour mm -hmm. to rise up and to be the voice. And um, despite what everybody see, I, I, I've been saying this for years um, uh, in a prophetic sense where I was telling people that God wants people to come to the church. How he was going to do it, I don't know. And then I look. And I see this is how he was going to do it. People are going to come back and want to know, how can I be saved? Tell me about Jesus. What can I do to help my community? What can I do to be greater? And that's why I believe that this was a preparation time. This is a time for us to get in the face of God and really get to uh, know him better. So in that time, it was rough in the beginning for me. I missed the deadline for... <laughs> I missed a deadline for signatures uh, for the congressional race, so I had to do the fee with the highest uh, fee state in the country, $10,440, just to get your name on the ballot. Wow. Uh, California is only like $1,900, <laughs> and they're bigger than us. So it's like, you know, I was racing trying to get donors, uh, people didn't really know my name at that time. Uh, I, you know, I'm just like going, it was, it was just a lot going on. Uh, so I had to come up with that. You couldn't go door to door to knock and ask people to vote for you. Uh, so it was so much that was happening for me. Of course, I couldn't do the tour anymore because it was no travel. People was not having service. So it, it, it was it was rough. And then um, I started to just look at things from a different perspective, look at how you still can be impactful in the community and start just changing everything uh, from how I looked at it to what, what God was saying, what he wanted us to do. So. Mm just listening to his voice and kind of pivoting with yeah. what was going on. So let's talk about your congressional run. Um, you didn't win. Are you, were you super bombed? Were you like, what did you learn from that experience? Cause I'm sure, you know, just like any other thing in life, there's success and there's failure. You learn from both. So mm -hmm. what, what did you learn in that? Um, <laughs> I, I, I learned about, trust. God really dealt with me about who to trust, who not to trust. And he dealt with me also about um, really uh, not only hearing him, but in that time, he was really teaching me how to just recognize that you may not know everything. <laughs> there's, different, there's different ways to do things. And so, um, no, I did not win uh, past the primary, uh, but I had made a promise with the Lord because I told people, I, I knew he called me into this place to run for office. And um, I looked at all the things that was going on on a political standpoint. But then when I go back and I look it over, um, that night when I was looking at the results, we, actually I was getting dressed on my way to our, our uh, victory party. And uh, the results came in so fast because, you know, the polls closed at 7. By 7.30, they had already done counting. I still don't understand how that happened. So we was like, I was like putting on my shoe. And uh, I remember laying there. And um, I uh, felt a sense of hopelessness, like, what, what am I to do? What am I, you know, where am I to go now? 
And the next day I felt the same way. You know, I'm like, God, what, you know, I, you know, I have, you know, House of Timothy, but I, I just felt this. And so a peace started coming over me where it was like, this is for you. Uh, this, this is what I've called you to. And so I made that promise that I was going to get up. I was going to fight. It was going to be unprecedented because a lot of times, you know, I, I didn't formally concede. So you you have to normally say they want you to concede. You know, you normally go and you do that. That's not what came to me to do. So that next day I went and I filed uh, for 2022. So on August, August 18th was the primary. August 19th, I filed. Um, I continued on in the campaign, uh, the campaign for change. Um, and as I told people, it wasn't a fight against my primary opponent. It was really because I'm concerned about that community. I'm concerned about what we need to do. And I believe that I'm that voice. And um, so I just got up. And um, it was difficult a couple of days. I didn't want to be outside. I didn't want to be around people. And the more and more I kept getting busy, the more and more I looked at my Facebook page and people still rooting, still cheering, you know, still that support. My page was still growing. And I was like, because I'm, I'm sitting there watching. I said, oh, people just going to, you know, leave. And they're not. And it just kept the momentum was there. And I, and I felt that passion, that drive. And I said, wait a minute, you know, there's a hope. It's not about um, having the, the title of a candidate. It's about the people that really are looking for that voice. And um, so that's how I felt. It was, it was, like I said, it was rough for like a week. And then um, I, 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 I dust off and got up and said, let's do this. It's time to keep working. And, uh, you know, I, I laid low a little bit. And then November 4th, it, we just went full throttle. And of course, December uh, for my birthday, December 12th, I just I announced, uh, um, I call it a, a light announcement until Kimberly Clayson comes. Yeah, tell us about that. I'm really excited too. I want to I wanna go. Like, this is very yeah. exciting to me. So you're uh, a big company because, you know, you guys are both, you're both going to go for it again? Yes, yes. She, awesome. She, um, I think, um, I saw actually a couple of days after I spoke with her that she actually officially announced that she's running for 2022. So, um, Kimberly is not just a voice for Baltimore, but a voice for the nation. And uh, when I saw her, I, I didn't know how I was going to get in contact with her because there was no way, you know, I was like, okay, I can fill out the form. But we made a, a, a connect on Twitter. Uh, I was able to contact her and I shared about her coming because we actually are officially launching our church January 10th. And so I want her here for both days, the 9th and the 10th, um, to be here for community um, and uh, engagement uh, event. And so uh, when we spoke, it was like, some people asked, what, what was the reason for having Kimberly? I said, because Kimberly has a fire that's under her feet and she really understands conservative values. Um, you know, her fight as well is against that uh, establishment. And she really wants to see conservative values instilled in our country. And then I look at the fact that she's, she's actually releasing a pack called the Red Renaissance that um, is supposed to help the candidates all over the nation who are true conservative candidates and are, are, are what you know you would consider as a no-name candidate. Uh, she wants to really, so she's really fighting for those that the establishment would normally say, ah, you know, we have our person, we, this is who we want to lift up in the standard. So she's wanted to change some things. And I felt with her coming here, with her being uh, speaking at the RNC, she's been in Georgia multiple times. Uh, she's actually been down south. Uh, Florida uh, speaking and doing a tour drive with another candidate there. So she's having that voice that represents conservative values. And I thought, hey, why not get her to come to Orlando um, and let's, let us let us do it. Let our campaign be the one that hosts her and let's have people come in and answer questions and how we can get involved. Because what I want to do uh, with her being here as well, is it's time to link the different counties, Seminole, Osceola, Orange, 
uh, crossing line. That's why I've been working with Commissioner Matt Morgan, um, the Seminole County uh, Sheriff uh, Lima, just on how can we get what is in other counties here in Orange County? How can we change and move the needle? And then the second part of that is uh, looking at the nation. All to, uh, politics to me is all local because everyone that lives in those local areas, your city, um, your county, you're the one that put those people in the federal level. And so that's why I, I'm, I'm so excited about her coming because I believe this is going to be something that people have not seen before. You know, you normally don't see congressional candidates coming from out of their district. You don't see them even going out of their county. They're like, this is where we are. And it's like, it's time to change or that politics have changed. And I believe President Trump is really the one that not only he exposed a lot of rhinos <laughs> and the establishment, but he also flipped politics um, on his head and started saying, wait a minute, we need to recognize those that are actually fighting for our country and not those that we want that's going to carry that the title of uh, career politician. And I call it pearl Republicans. Uh, so ones that really don't, you know, they're, they're not ready to roll the sleeve. They're just wanting to talk. And I believe that she's a fighter. Um, I believe that other candidates that I've seen that's popping up now, they're fighters. And that's what we want to bring and uh, the light that torch for it. And I think it'll be a great uh, opening for 2021. Um, to start off with her being here. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I love that you're talking about local government because you're 100% right. Like the work is done on the ground in your community. Obviously you do quite a bit of that, but you know, I'm not going to lie. It, it has crossed my mind. Like, hmm, do I want to get into politics? Like it is something I'm really interested in and I feel like I could have a voice there. One, it seems really scary. Like it seems there's a fear for, for me personally behind it because the world is so freaking crazy right now. Oh, um, <laughs> so like, I feel like, uh, you know, your entire life is essentially exposed when you put yourself in that position. But beyond that, um, like you were talking about the, the money part of it and donors and all of it just seems very overwhelming. So what would you maybe say to somebody who like me would say, I, I think I want to get involved in politics. What, what's a good first step? What's something that they might need to know if they are really considering moving forward? Um, I would say grassroots. I would say get out there and start showing up to uh, rub shoulders with some of the local Republican groups because there's a lot of establishment and I don't mind, I always call it establishment, that's my, my thing I do. But I, because I want people to recognize about getting to the, the real principles of the constitution. But I would say is rub shoulders with who you need to rub shoulders with, you know, get out there and get involved. Um, in every angle and um, find out really where you, uh, first, where you want to start. Like, if, is it state house, is it state senate? Is, you know, is it Congress, is it commissioner, is it a city councilman, is it mayor? Uh, and then once you find that, it start, you know, getting involved in those those areas. No matter what, you still got to get involved locally, regardless of how um, high of a, a position you're seeking. But um, I always say grassroots. It's just, and that's what I, I focus on. Is like, I just, you know, I, I may not have the big donors coming in as of yet, but going to the different events that I'm invited to, um, speaking on different radio stations, um, talking to people that is in the streets or the community, going to different restaurants that are local business owners, and just talking. So um, it's, it's grassroots initiative. That's a lot of times how um, a lot of the candidates before won, before all this, the need to have millions and millions of dollars. It was just simply people that had a voice that would go to their community, knock on doors, share their vision, that neighbor would tell that neighbor, that neighbor would tell that neighbor. And before you know it, you know, people start knowing you in that neighborhood and it will continue. So that's what I would share with anyone that want to run is, you know, find out uh, first where you want to run at and just get involved. Just, you know, hit the, hit the ground running and don't let anyone discourage you. I go through that so often. I mean, at least two or three times a week, 
there's people that come to say, you sure you want to run for that? Or maybe you should wait or do, you know, maybe you should run for something that's a little less than that. And I tell people, no, when something's in your heart, your passion, this lady taught me this I, and, and, and it rings true to me. And I might use it as a post later today. She said, if anyone can um, ever talk you out of what you believe God has called you to do, you wasn't ready to do it. Mm. And uh, I just, I, I stay with that because it's true. If you know something that God has called you to do and you're going forward and someone can come and tell you, don't do it. And you like, you don't do it. That means you was never ready to really go out there and do it. Uh, there's a story when I was back in Oklahoma and one of my mentors, he called me and he asked me, um, he asked me, he said, his lady called him and said, Hey, do you know, uh, Willie said, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's with our ministry. And then he said, um, and she said, Oh, I think he's supposed to be there with you in the ministry in Oklahoma city. And, um, so he asked me, he said, well, how do you feel about that? And I was like, and I thought about it at first. I was like, well, that would be great. And then I, it just came in. I said, I said, no, I have a, a ministry here in, in Tulsa. You know, it's only like two and a half hours away. I was like, no, God's called me this Tulsa area to work here with ministry. And um, so his response was, uh, that was a test. I wanted to see if you really will stand on what God has called you to do. Mm -hmm. Or would you be really just to move, you know, opportunities? You just want to go with whatever next adventure. So that took me through my life is that stay solid. If that's what you want to do, completely stay focused on that. Continue to go out there and do whatever it takes for you to make that happen. Uh, win or lose, keep fighting. And that's that's my thing. I, I, I don't care if I got to go 10 times. <laughs> if, if God's called you to it, you have to go out and go. And each time you learn in that, you know, a lot of times God will give you the access and say, this is what I want you to do. And that may not be the time frame because as I look back over this year, this election cycle, I know he told me to step in, but he also knew the end results. Uh, just like when it's dealing with 2022, it's like this time I feel different than this cycle. I feel like this is a win. But at that time was, to me, it was like God was allowing that to be uh, the stepping stone for exposure, for people to know who I was. And now I have that momentum and I'm able to go forward. So I believe God sets it up. Same way when I moved to Oklahoma, I had nobody that I knew then, but God sent me there and he later explained to me that it was not, I was not, it was, it was not just for your Bible college. I was sent there because you had a mission for Oklahoma. But if I didn't go to Bible college, I would have never known about Oklahoma because I, that was not a, a state I was looking to go to. I was in North Carolina. No one in my family moves outside of North Carolina. So, you know, to go to a whole, you know, Midwest or whatever, it was different. So anyway, that's why I would encourage someone to do is just stay focused, uh, pick where you want to go, get, 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 get your sleeves rolled up and, and stay focused and work. Well, I definitely think you could be a motivational speaker one day because that was <laughs> spot on. I couldn't, I literally couldn't agree more. Um, you know, there's definitely this podcast, for example, like I really feel like God gave me this vision a year ago and I let COVID stop me in my tracks and just let it be an excuse. But, you know, just watching this year unfold, watching politics this year, watching even what we're dealing with with the election right now, I was kind of like, enough is enough. I have a voice. God's called me to it. I'm just going to do it. Um, things aren't going to ever be perfect. Like the timing is never going to be perfect. The, all the, you know, elements around are just, it's never going to be perfect. So you kind of just have to jump in and like you said, roll up your sleeves and just do it. Um, so really quick before we kind of wrap up our time together, I do have a question for you that I don't know. Um, maybe this is, maybe I'm taking a little too far, but I'm going to ask. So, um, I'd love to know your thoughts because I'm a Christian. I'm half Colombian. I present as white. A lot of people don't think I can talk about things, certain things here and there. Um, 
but I'd love, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on things like critical race theory um, and BLM, because as a Christian, it's just been really challenging this year to understand um, maybe some of the thought processes behind both of those, those ideas. Um, and I have, you know, friends who I've talked with this about and, you know, some of them are very liberal. And so they see critical race theory and BLM as positive things, um, whereas I, I don't necessarily. But I'm just curious, as a conservative Black man, like, who is in tune to politics, what are your thoughts on, on these things? Well, I'll tell you, when it comes to, to um, Black Lives Matter and, and um, these different theories that have come up, especially this year, um, I always share with the Republican group this. I was very quiet on this at first, uh, especially when I was running uh, this cycle, but I shared with them this. We have culture in America and um, we are Americans. We are in America, and there's, but there is different cultures. Sure. When I go to some of these rallies that I've been to, uh, you know, Trump rallies and so forth, and the BLM is right there and there. And um, I've heard, you know, about the theories and they come and they're, you know, speaking to me. Uh, something that I, I always say is that if we want people to understand conservative values, we have to listen. And I believe that uh, that's my issue, is that we're not listening to those who are in Black Lives Matter um, to hear what they really are saying. Um, instead, you know, I see a lot of yelling and cursing and back and forth, and I'm like, this is not going to win them over. So what I would do when I go to these rallies is a lot of times, of course, because they're Black Lives Matter, they would point out the Black guy, and they were like, hey, your brother, can I speak to you? And I was like, sure. And so, you know, of course, people come behind me. Hey, you know, wait, how, how? They kind of said, no, cool it. Let, let him speak. Yeah. So when they speak, they actually want to know. And actually, most of them will tell you they don't like Biden or they don't like Trump at all. They don't like neither one of them. They're about um, equality in the Black community. And then that's when I give them facts. I share with them that uh, a thousand Black babies are aborted a day in America. I share with them um, the importance of, of Black economic wealth if, if, uh, we're going to change or say Black Lives Matter. We have to first go to our Black communities and look at where it doesn't matter, which we see that doesn't matter when it comes to the homes. We can see where it doesn't matter because it's Black-on-Black -black crime. Uh, just recently in Paramore, there was a young boy that was shot and killed. There was no marches or protests or rallies for that. Uh, so that's what I do. I, I, I flip it, but I also allow them to share their concern because they're concerned. They feel like... Uh, all they see is one, and I, I tell you, think about it. Before I started going to this rally, a lot of times it was just white people out there. So of course, if they're, if they're hollering and cussing across the aisle, what they're going to say? They're racist. So when we come out there and we're doing the same thing, we have to have dialogue. And that's what my biggest thing is right there. I, I definitely do not agree with the movement or the organization because to me, it's both goes uh, hand in hand with each other. I do not believe in that. You know, the concept of like is you know is it, we're black and the whites against is like no. But I do believe that if we listen and try to come away, uh, come away with what is it that they're trying to say? What is, what are they, and I ask them that. That's my question always, what is your purpose? If you're saying Black Lives Matter, what is your purpose? When is the last time you, you fed the, the, you know, the, 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 black, the black homeless man? Uh, the the, the uh, Title I schools that's in Orange County, predominantly black students who are sleeping in the cars in the hotels and are failing in school. You know, and those issues are not, so that's, that's kind of where I fall in with that. Of course, I'm not in agreement with Black Lives Matter or any of those 
uh, groups when it comes to trying to defame uh, the character of other groups that are standing. But I do believe that we need to come to a place to kind of listen, because, you know, it's one thing that the media put out, it's one thing that their website's going to say, but everyone that's out there has a different purpose. Because some people tell you, I'm not a Republican, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a Trumpster. Uh, you know, so it's like the same thing with them. Some of them tell I'm not a Democrat. I'm just, you know, I'm just pro-black. I'm black. Lives. And so it's like, we got we to gotta kind of, you know, get away from politics and listen to that person. And that's how I feel, you know, as a Christian, that, that I believe that's what Christ would do. You know, even when he went to the, uh, the man at the, at the gate, 38 years, and he said, will you be made whole? And the man wanted to give him excuses of the reason why he could not get down to the pool of Bethesda after 38 years. And Jesus, yet and still never dealt with the excuse or the reasoning. He just said, pick up your bed and walk. And that's what I believe that we have to carry in us as conservatives that, that comes under the umbrella of Christianity, that when we go out to the black communities, Hispanic community, wherever we go, that that's our mentality. We hear where you've been. We hear what happened. We get it. You know, that was an injustice done to you. But pick up your bed and walk and let us show you how you can do better. Let us show you how you can get up and achieve those goals. I know, yes, it hurt. Yes, there was slavery. Uh, yes, your family may have been incarcerated. But now what? Now what do we do? Are we going to march all day? Are we going to cuss all day? You know, what do we do to achieve? And I tell people that even from the flag wavers. What can we do beyond that? Because after you wave a flag and you go home, what happens? You made some people angry. You know, you probably ran your blood pressure up. <laughs> so now, now what? So that's kind of my philosophy overall. It's like, now what? That, that's been my question to um, your patrons across the board. Now what do we do? And that's why I believe that that scripture, you know, in Chronicles, you know, if my people, we have to return back to the place of repentance and prayer so that when God wants to do something, we won't be so upset and angry at people because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This battle is way beyond uh, uh, the scope of individuals. It's evil versus good. And um, God wins always. So, Amen. <laughs> what else can you say? No, I love that though, because you're right. I mean, and you talked about it at the beginning too, personal responsibility is such a huge piece of conservatism, but also like what God calls us to, you know? None of us are perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. Um, but you you have to kind of stand up and take ownership of those those actions and take responsibility. As far as Orlando and our community, I, I agree with you. Um, I'd love to see some real dialogue between some of the um, uh, actors activists, I guess you could say, um, and some of us in the conservative community, because I think when we do sit down and actually talk to one another and listen to one another, I don't think our visions for what we hope for, for Central Florida and Orange County, I don't think that they're actually very far apart. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, the, like you said, BLM as a movement is one thing, but if you walk into the community and you speak with somebody who's there day in and day out and is living it, um, you know, they'll, they'll tell you people are, people are dying. You know, there are like some real issues here in central Florida. And I love that you're willing to go to the table and sit and talk with people who disagree or feel differently than you do, because that's really what's going to change anything is being able to, you know, link hands, even, even if you disagree on, on many things, can we agree that we want, you know, young black men to be able to grow up and, you know, be entrepreneurs or find success, you know, 
I love that, um, that that's kind of your platform and that you're willing to do that because I've seen it firsthand. My, my husband and I, our very first home was just behind First Baptist Orlando. We lived off of Bruton. Um, and we sent our son to, he was one of two white kids at Nat Ford Community School. So like we grew, we raised our family in that community. And to me, you know, it might be a socioeconomic difference, but at the, at the end of the day, like we're all people, we all want our children raised in safe communities. We want them to go to good schools where they're educated, you know, at the end of the day, I think we really do all want the same thing. Um, and it's, it's kind of sad that politics have divided us so much that the things that we actually agree on, we, we don't seem to come to the table to talk about because there's so much division. Right. Um, but thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I am really excited for your 2022 campaign and excited to check that event out with you and Kim. Can you tell us a little bit of specifics on the event for your church, Gravity Church, right? Watching. Right. Okay. Tell us a little right. bit about Gravity Church and where people can find you to be able to support your congressional campaign. Okay. So uh, Gravity Church, we got the name from, uh, again, returning back to God, gravity, that pull of force. We believe that he is that that grounds us. So that's where Gravity Church comes from. That will be January 10th at 3 p.m. Uh, 1016 West Church Street. Uh, there will be information that will be coming out uh, on um, flyers and so forth like that. But you can go to Gravity Church and look us up on uh, Facebook. Uh, if you want to learn more about the campaign, right now we're just uh, we're revamping the website, but you can still go and join the mailing list and you can donate from there if you want to. That's MontagueForCongress.com, MontagueForCongress.com. Uh, and uh, I'm on all social media platforms. So Twitter, I had Rep Montague, uh, Willie Montague for Congress Facebook page, my normal uh, personal page, which is Willie Montague. I'm on uh, Parlor and Willie J Montague. Instagram, Willie J Montague. So I'm all over this. If you type it in, I guarantee you, you'll see. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm on the top up there. So um, anyway, that's, that's how you can find me and, and contact if you want to get involved, ask any questions. I'm, I'm always available to, you know, dialogue and um, discuss, even if you had questions of what you heard and want to know more or or uh, have some input, I'm, I'm welcome and open to that. Awesome. Okay, one last thing. Any little bit of wisdom, anything that you just want people to kind of take away from our time together this morning? Anything you want to share? Well, I'll say this. Um, yeah, just just go forward. <laughs> I always say we, we have to continue, and you, you share this, that, you know, oftentimes we look at um, the circumstances and I'm a pastor, by the way. I forgot. To, I don't know if I include that in the beginning, but you got the hint. So I always include a story about Sarah and Abraham, and um, we call it um, um, contradictory circumstances, which was the fact that both of them was old and they shouldn't have been able to bear a child. But they did not consider that. They just considered the promises of God. So I just want to share that with each of you that's listening and will listen, um, that just Consider what God said, the promises that he has for your life. Do not look at, look at the contradictory circumstances. Don't look at COVID-19. Don't look at, you know, Republican or Democrat, Libertarian. Look at the promises of God. And whatever it is that he's instructed you to do, just be encouraged, be wise and vigilant, and just go forward. I love that. Thank you, Willie. I appreciate your time today. And I look forward to chatting with you more.
Yes, thank you, likewise. Hey friends, thanks so much for watching and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel and hit that little notification bell so you know every time I post something new. Of course, check out Peace Love t-shirts as well. That's where you can get all of our Life Jesus style gear and all my favorite people gear. Thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.